You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast. To support this podcast, go to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and click Donate. It's not enough to simply offer a gospel that only offers divine forgiveness of sins. A gospel that is faithful to the Jesus story. It has to include access and inclusion where the vulnerable have been excluded. And a gospel that is faithful to the Jesus story, it must include, just like in this story, material holistic liberation. This is Herb Montgomery with Renewed Heart Ministries, and I want to welcome you to episode 291 of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. It's a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first-century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee might have to offer us today in our work of love, compassion, taking action, and justice. Our feature text this week is Mark 2, verse 4, since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. Our title is Challenging Exclusion, and in the worldview of the Gospels, especially the Gospel authors and their intended audience, healing, remember, was normal. Uh, Most healing stories in that era, they they tended, though, to, to bolster the way that society was organized. They bolstered the the status quo. But the healing stories in the Gospels, they challenged, they subverted, they they even threatened uh, the status quo. And one such resistance healing story is found very early in the Gospel of Mark. This is Mark 2, 1 through 12. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to them, paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he, may, so he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we've never seen anything like this. Let's talk about inclusion uh, first this week. There's a lot to unpack in this story, and there's a lot of things we need to say about it. The first thing we bump into in this story is the lack of room. The, The crowd they could have made room for the paralyzed man to get through. They could have practiced uh, a preferential option for the one with a disability, yet, yet they didn't. They were each focused on on making sure uh, there was a place for themselves, even if it came at the expense of someone else. And I used to fly a lot, and the, those 
those two options, a preferential option for others or, or making a place for oneself, they always played out during the boarding process. Before airlines started overselling flights, there was always enough room for everyone. The, the plane was going to leave at the same time for everyone, and the seats were, were even already assigned. Yet you could see the passengers who only thought of themselves from a concourse away, saving ourselves at others' expense it has a long evolutionary history for humans, and yet I want to contend that our salvation in the future as a race, it doesn't lie in what works for some at the expense of others. It, 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 it lies in what makes our world safe and just and compassionate for all. We will survive together or we will perish together, and, and what once worked for the survival of some it will not ensure the survival of us all in the context of especially global uh, climate breakdown. But I also want to address the gospel author's use of a person with a disability. In the culture of the gospel writers, there were religious teachings that explained disabilities as the result of sin, either one's own or one's parents. And you can find an example of this in John 9, 1 and 2. But this teaching added a basis for even further exclusion in a world that already left those with disabilities on the margins. In Mark's story, Jesus rejects that teaching and declares that that this paralyzed, this paralytic has been forgiven. Jesus doesn't offer the man a plan or a program. He doesn't say, do this and your sins will be forgiven. Jesus declares that the man already was forgiven. And his teaching, it challenged those who believed that those with disabilities were being punished for some sin. It challenged them to view this man as their, their equal regardless of his ability. And, and Jesus here juxtaposes disability and the culture's definition of right standing. In other words, uh, uh, he's challenging people to look at, he's challenging his audience to look at people with disabilities different in that culture. He's calling people to rethink. And similarly, one could could today, we could challenge non-affirming Christians and their definition of what's normative in relation to the LGBTQ community. Last week, Renewed Heart Ministries, we posted a meme uh, for Pride Month that, that juxtaposes LGBTQ identity and LGBTQ people's uh, being in the image of God. And this deeply challenges Christian cis-heterosexism. Uh, we, we published a meme that said, before every person, the Jewish proverb, before every person there was walks an angel announcing, behold, the image of God, uh, and specifically for those that are LGBTQ. And, and again, Jesus doesn't offer the man a plan or a program um, to follow in order to be forgiven or to be in right standing. Hey, Jesus declares that this man was already forgiven. He was already in right standing. And, and it, that, that challenges so many Christian stories uh, on so many different levels, especially the ones that teach a God who must be moved by some action on our part first. But, but ho let's talk about holistic liberation. We Just like in any work of affirmation or liberation, 
There will always be pushback by those who feel threatened by such inclusivity and, and, and equity. Jesus is, is saying this man is in right standing, and, and, and the objection of Mark's story is only God can forgive sins. Jesus doesn't respond, though, in this story by stating that he's divine, and this is specific. This is important. The gospel writers instead, they identify Jesus with a human being. Uh, or, or the Son of Man. And this language is from the Maccabean-era Jewish resistance literature. In Daniel 7.13, it says, In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like a Son of Man. Or as the, the contemporary English Bible uh, translates it, I continued uh, to watch the, uh, this night vision of mine, and I suddenly saw one like a human being. The, the human being in Daniel 7, it was a symbol of, of liberation from oppressive empires and putting the world to right. And forgiveness in Mark's story is not something only God can do alone. It's, it's, it's a human act. It's not something left only only to a God or to cosmic, cosmic beings that, that leave us as humans off the hook. Forgiveness is, is something, it's something that we should practice as humans. And that was part, the, the, the human ability to forgive sin was, was part of Jesus's message. And, and I don't believe Jesus taught reconciliation, though, even, when, even though forgiveness was at the heart of it. Reconciliation, uh, Jesus didn't teach that without reparation. And, and liberation. Jesus's message of forgiveness, remember, it was primarily aimed at wealthy elite creditors, and, and he called them to forgive the debts of, of their poor debtors. And Jesus's message of forgiveness, it included a deep economic implication. It was a, a call for, for debt forgiveness, for a Jewish jubilee. And if you want more information on this, I'll put a link to our article, A Prayer for Debts Cancelled, in this week's e-site. But, but Jesus' gospel, what, the point that we're making here is that uh, Jesus' gospel, it included material liberation. And not only was the man with a disability told that he'd already been forgiven, the story goes beyond that. The story includes him being liberated from his inability to walk. And here's a word of caution. Honestly, I don't like this story as I read it from, from our vantage point today. I, I think it can be too easily co-opted to, to make people with disabilities feel less than those without. And, I, and I'm thankful that the story author at least challenged the crowd's bias against this man before he removes the group's actual reason for marginalizing him. In other words, in the story, the man is declared as being forgiven in right standing, uh, even while he is still uh, without the ability to, to walk. Otherwise, the marginalized would still be kept marginalized. If the gospel writer had written the story differently, the solution to marginalized women would be to make them men. The solution to marginalized black, brown, and other people of color would be to make them white. The, the, the solution to marginalized LGBTQ people would be to make them straight or cisgender. And conversion therapy is harmful. It's outlawed in 18 states, and Maine and Colorado were the last to, they're the latest. To, to, to ban such practices. But rather than using 
and this is the problem that I have with the story mostly, rather than using various disabilities as metaphors for social evils as the Gospels do, we can do better. We, we can actually name specific social evils instead. Being gay is not a social evil. Being a woman is not a social evil. Being non-white is not a social evil. Being a migrant is not a social evil. Being disabled is not a social evil. How the system our social system treats these folks is a social evil. Poverty is a social evil. Keeping people un, uh, uneducated is a social evil. Keeping people indebted is a social evil. Keeping people without adequate access to health care is a social evil. And, and that's what I believe Mark's story is trying to teach. In holistic liberation, everyone receives what they need. When we apply this to people with, with disabilities— what we arrive at instead is the lesson of, of removing the barriers that keep people with disabilities excluded. Uh, we, we're to remove the barriers that keep people with disabilities from accessing what they need to, to, to thrive. And, and actual social evils are what we as followers of Jesus must work against today. This story doesn't stop at forgiveness, and, and we can't afford to either. It's not enough to simply offer a gospel that only offers divine forgiveness of sins. A gospel that is faithful to the Jesus story, it must include people forgiving people. It must include a redistribution of power and resources so that everyone has what they, they need, not simply to survive, but to, to, to thrive. And it must include reparations alongside reconciliation. It includes it has to include access and inclusion where the vulnerable have been excluded. And a gospel that is faithful to the Jesus story, it must include, just like in this story, material holistic liberation. This story calls us to work toward an inclusive, just, and safe society for everyone. Mark 2.4, since they could not get to him, get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. Heart group application this week. What are some of the ways you either experience or you witness others experiencing discrimination and exclusion, even, either in your faith community or in our larger society? And then number two, make a list of practices that your heart group can engage that express inclusion and justice and create a, a safe space for those that are mentioned and that you just mentioned in, in, in exercise number one. And then and then number three, pick something from the list in number two and, and put it into to action this week. Put it, put it into practice. And also, right now here at Renewed Heart Ministries, I want to extend an invitation to those who would like to start a heart group in your area. Uh, if, you, if you would like to, to uh, look into what it would take to, to, to start a heart group, uh, uh, contact us. Go to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and on the Contact Us page, uh, just write in, in the details box. Put in your information and then just write the word heart group and we'll send you everything. We'll contact you and get everything you need, uh, get you everything you need to, to, to get you started. Thanks for checking in with us this week. I'm so glad you're here wherever you are today. Keep living in love. Choose compassion, justice, action till the only world that remains is a world where uh, love and justice reigns. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week. Thank you.